Friday, October 20th. Welcome back to Damon Bruce Plus. It's great to have you here. We got a great warrior retirement to talk about. Andre Iguodala hanging up the chucks after 19 years in the league. We will get there, but obviously we're getting you ready for a big football game, a sneaky big football game that is coming up on Monday night football, which means we'll be in pregame mode once again on Monday. And then on Tuesday morning, I hope you'll be waking up very, very early, 8 a.m. for a little 49ers wake up with me and this guy, Larry Kruger. Good to see you, pal. How you doing, man? What's up? Happy Friday to everybody. Hope everybody's having a great day. We're off and running. My second stream of the day. I streamed earlier today with the great Pete Bursich of the Minnesota Vikings broadcast team. Uh, and, and happy to be here with you, Damon. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Well, look, I, uh, I let's just jump right into any inside information that you got out of Pete today. Was there a moment in your interview that you thought, all right, I got a nugget here, let's share it? Well, I mean, I think he's just, you know, knows that this is going to be a very difficult game for the Vikings to win. Uh, the Vikings are not a very good football team. They have Daniil Hunter. Uh, they blitz a lot. But quarterbacks facing the Vikings this season have completed 75% of their passes. So, um, you know, it's not a stellar team the Niners are going against. Niners coming off a loss, national TV. I think uh, more than anything, Pete seemed like he was bracing for what we were going to see Monday night. So, look, it's a sneaky big game, Larry. It really is for the 49ers. When I think about this one, when I think about the entirety of the year, when I think about the Bengals rolling in off the bye week, you know, that's the first time I'm going to tell you, I'm just, I'm chalking that down as a loss and we'll see what happens because like you and I talked about just last week, how important rest was. We, we sort of dismiss the importance of rest. The Bengals are going to be coming in rested. And this is an opportunity to get to six and one before the Bengals get here. Should you let go of the rope and lose in Minnesota then, for whatever reason, because the Bengals have rest, because Joe Burrow's a stud, because they're starting to play better, and now you've got a two-game losing streak that could become a three-game losing streak. Look, Larry, the way that this first half feels, this is the pivot game for that feeling because there's a big difference between being six and two going into the bye week, or six, you know, five and three with a three-game losing streak. This is a handle your business game. I don't care who's on deck, who's available, who's dressed, who's healthy, who's not. This is one that when you look at how how do you find your easiest path to the playoffs, this is one of those non-negotiable wins. I mean, the, the, the Vikings are fumblers. Nobody likes a fumbler. Uh, they turn the ball over a lot. The 49ers create a lot of turnovers. The Vikings are 0-3 at home so far this year, and they're going to be without their best player. Niners got to have this one. I, you know, I, 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 I'll push back on the Cincinnati part. I don't fear Cincinnati. I just don't. Joe Burrow's not playing well at all. Um, you know, he threw another pick last week. He was sacked three times. He hey, so go seven start. and one. Go seven and one in the first half if that's what you're offering. I'll buy that right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. One thing, Damon. Niners will be coming off a short week, traveling back from Minnesota. Bengals will be coming off a bye week, fully rested. So there's that major rest advantage, which will is seems like an equalizing equalizer and uh, equalizing factor, but. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think much of uh, of uh, Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, Jamar Chase is fantastic. 
Um, and Burrow's got a lot of talent, but Burrow hasn't played very well this year. And just listening to Greg Cosell talk about his breakdown and then watching the all 22 myself of Cincinnati because I had a little extra time this week with the extra day. Um, I looked at them and it was like, man, they're not sharp right now. So, so I'm not worried about Cincinnati, but you're absolutely right, though. The rest advantage is major, and then that just kind of turns, and after the loss last week, that turns this game into you better bounce back against the Vikings. And it is on the road in Minnesota, not the easiest place to play against a veteran quarterback who you know plays the game at a really high level and will go through his progressions. So there's that. But I just don't think that the uh, – Alexander Madison Cam Akers show can run it on the 49ers. Um, you don't have Justin Jefferson, no JJ in this game. Uh, I don't think the Vikings are much defensively. And the, 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 the wild card factor in this game is Josh Metellus, number 44, the nickelback for the Vikings. Um, they utilize him as a blitzer. You know, the, you know, people talk about the Vikings blitz. Well, one of the things that Pete was bringing up is that, They'll send four, but they will drop, you know, Dean Lowry into coverage or Harrison Phillips, the nose guard, you know, the drop off Bullard or Lowry and send Metellus off the edge. And people will say, well, they're blitzing, you know, it's still a four man rush. It's right. Just, you know, they're sending the safe, the nickelback. So, you know, to me, the two key guys, obviously, Daniil Hunter, he leads the league in sacks and he's playing at a really high level. He's in great shape. Um, and he's, he's, you know, he's a force. And if you blitz, sometimes you get him some more one-on-ones, but the other guy is Metellus 44, who they utilize in a variety of ways to rush the passer. Uh, look, it's going to be an interesting game. And the, the Vikings got really good tackles. Their weakness is that interior. And if there's ever a game for Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave and, and, uh, and Kinlaw, to just have a, a big game. Like, here it is. This is an opportunity to get to Kirk Cousins and to come right up the middle is the number one way to make him uncomfortable. Kirk Cousins is a good progression quarterback. He throws a great deep ball, but he doesn't escape his own problems. He can be had. And I just think that this is a, a huge, huge weekend that plays right into one of the chief strengths of the 49ers, that interior the 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 their the middle of their own pass rush I think matches up really well with the middle of that Vikings offensive line. Yeah, no, I agree. And the Niners have twice as many picks as touchdown passes allowed. Uh, they're giving up just five point five yards per pass attempt. That's third fewest overall. They're giving up the third fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks in the entire league. Four of the six quarterbacks they faced in since the beginning of the year have scored single digit fantasy points. Uh, now you take away, you get Cousins, but you get Cousins without Jefferson. I mean, there's the the, the Vikings have two major weapons you got to account for in this game, and that is T.J. Hawkinson, eighty number eighty seven, their tight end, having a down year, having, having a down, down year. year, but he's a tremendous player. And then the rookie Jordan Addison, who's one hundred and seventy five pounds, but if he if you let him get a free release at the line of scrimmage. Um, he's, he, he's, he's very competitive at the catch point. He can go low, high. He's got a huge catch radius. He plays the game. He's a five eleven player that plays the game like a six, three receiver. So he's, he's going to be, um, no picnic to stop, but, um, but I, 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 you know, Ezra Cleveland's banged up inside, which makes it look like Hargrave could have a monster game.
You know, I was reading a Matt Barrows, who could you possibly trade for column? And it was a good column. I don't want to reread it right now, but it was basically like, here's the pie in the sky player. Here's the more gettable player. Uh, Cleveland was one of the more gettable players if this team is looking to ensure any injury across its offensive line. So um, there's an eye to keep, you know, put an eye on him. If you're wanting to scout what could be a trade. And then obviously, like you said, Daniil Hunter is just, this guy's a badass. I mean, you you would have to give up a first for him, I would think, or certainly a second. And um, and I just don't know if that is. I, I think that that position's already been addressed by the Gregory trade, Larry. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, edge rush is kind of like starting pitching. You can never have enough, so nobody would ever doubt you if you traded for more edge rush talent. And there's no question that Gregory's nice, but Daniil Hunter's is another level. Is yeah, I mean, he's he's you know, but then he's also another level as far as contract too. So right. are you going to satisfy him in a contract? Is it a rental situation? To me, if the Niners go, I mean. The A-listers are Daniil Hunter, Brian Burns, right? I mean, those are the guys that are like, what? You're going to get that guy? Those guys are difference makers. But the Niners, if you look at what they've done, um, they've bolstered their defensive line in the past without going with A-list guys. Jordan Willis comes to mind. Charles Menehue comes to mind. There's a couple guys like that I could see them going after, like Arden Key, uh, who's in Tennessee. Who Bring him back. Yeah, I mean, I could see them bringing back Arden Key. Uh, Rand Carthon and John have a good relationship. Uh, Josh Ushi, the Patriots are going nowhere. Um, he's a really nice speed rusher off the edge. I think he would help them against mobile quarterbacks. Their struggles against mobile quarterbacks, I think, is a lot related to the fact that, you know, if you have an undersized rusher, that would help. Uh, Ushi's, you know, 250, 255. He would be phenomenal in the wide nine. So. I could see them doing something like that more along the lines of that than than Burns or uh, Hunter. Um, but who knows? You know, you never know. I mean, I had a guy call my show the other night on our call-in show with Kev, and he suggested that the Niners uh, try to contact the Raiders about trading draft choices to the Raiders for Max Crosby. <laughs> and, the, and the more I thought about that, the more I think – you know what? The Raiders are, not, are are several pieces away. They're probably going to look for their quarterback of the future in this draft. If you were willing to give your first and second round draft choice, they probably would give you Max Crosby. The question is, are the Niners willing to give their first and second round draft choice and pour more, uh, you know, draft capital and and uh, salary cap room into the defensive line? They're already heavily, heavily invested there, um, and I would think they would want to keep their their first round pick to draft the offensive tackle of the future. But man, I mean, you start thinking about Bosa and Crosby. I mean, that would be, that would be of an altering type situation. And they're thinking big. There's no question that John Lynch is thinking big. Yeah. I, I, you know, I saw maybe Kendrick Bourne coming back from the Patriots. That's not a big move. That's I don't think that that's going to happen. And I also think that they're, they're I don't want to say they're set at wide receiver, but they've got enough depth and they've got enough internal depth. Yeah. Crosby. Difference maker. Look, Larry, there are days, and I don't know how much Raiders you've subjected yourself to, but there are days <laughs> when Max Crosby honestly is wearing the baddest man on the planet cape. He is special. He is he is a yeah. he is a a handful in the way that Bose is almost a handful. Yeah. He's he's incredible. He's an incredible player. 
Um, and the Raiders are, from what I've read, are go are thinking the other way, which is they'd like to acquire Daniil Hunter. They'd like to go after Brian Burns. They'd like to find a replacement for Chandler Jones opposite Crosby. Well, you know, let, let's see if they go into Chicago and beat the Bears before we start talking about what they're about to add to their team. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that the Raiders should win that game. But, you know, but the Raiders, yeah, I, I, well, I think they won't, to be honest. And then, and then on the other hand, um, you know, Mark Davis did basically make it perfectly clear when Khalil Mack was being shopped and the 49ers were very interested that, you know, like anybody but the Niners. Right. Um, so maybe, you know, that's he, even though they're in Vegas, maybe he still has that anybody but the Niners vibe going on. I don't know. The two sides did practice against each other this summer. So maybe they maybe they get along better than we, than I think. But. I just uh, to me it seems like if Crosby's going to move it's probably going to cost you either two two ones or a one and a two and that's probably too rich for the Niners. By the way, I got some hardcore plucers who track this stuff and bet on it. There was your sip of the day. That officially happened. Larry, is that your sip of the day? Are you having a nice sip there? What's that? What's that? We track sip of the days here on this show for some ridiculous reason. Uh, what are, what are you sipping on? That looks like a soda. Are you drinking soda at eleven fourteen in the morning? Yeah, I'm having a soda this morning. It's a Friday. I got a I got a long day ahead of me. I was up late. I'm up early. Um, <laughs> it's a Friday. Larry's having a soda. He's getting loose. I'm getting loose. <laughs> I'm getting loose. Um, this is my one vice. You know, it's funny. My, my, you know, my, my, uh, my kid says, "Dad, you're a Coke freak." I'm like, "Thanks, kid, uh, thanks for saying it that way." It <laughs> sounds, it sounds so great that way. Right. Say it louder so everyone in the restaurant can hear you, son. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so uh, today really is a, a big day in terms of an anniversary. It was a year ago today that the 49ers made the franchise-altering trade of Christian McCaffrey. And again, after you leave us, Larry, I'll go through some of the numbers that he's produced, but he's basically been the best player in football since the 49ers have drafted for him. And when it comes to the risk reward of playing him this week, you and I have come down on the same side of this argument. I don't think you need Christian McCaffrey to beat the Vikings. I, I know that you need Christian McCaffrey to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I would exercise caution, even if he's ready to go, even if he says, coach, I'm ready, even if the doctors say I'm ready, I would love to buy him another week before he gets to the the Cincinnati Bengals. Do you think they play McCaffrey? Do you think they play Debo? I mean, they basically, they got an all-pro team sitting out of practice today. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I asked Kyle Shanahan this question yesterday. I said, Kyle, I'm looking at to McCaffrey's usage. He's on pace for 400 touches. Is that sustainable? And he kind of dodged and was like, you know, he's our starting running back and we like to throw him the ball and we don't really have a plan and this and that. And we'll just have to see how it goes, you know. Um, but I'll say right now, it's not sustainable. And to me, I want Christian McCaffrey there in the playoffs. Now, every team's different. Like the Dallas Cowboys are a one running back team. They have Rico Dowdell and Deuce Vaughn behind, behind Tony Pollard. Those guys are several, several steps beneath an NFL starting caliber running back. So they got to go with Tony Pollard. I get it. The 49ers are not in that position. They have Elijah Mitchell. They have who's a full go this week of practice. They have Jordan Mason. They have Ty Davis price. They have other backs they could use utilize. I, I to me, it's a no doubter sit Christian McCaffrey down for a game or two. I'd sit him down through the bye week and roll with other guys Peter King said it the other day on the radio. It's like, 
you know what? The 49ers are going to, they're, they're not going to get to the postseason healthy at this rate if they just keep, you know, pounding, pounding, pounding McCaffrey over and over again when they have other guys. Jordan Mason, what does he need to do to get on the field? The guy averaged uh, six yards a carry, five yards a carry the last couple of weeks. He's showing explosive capability. Um, I, to me, I, you know, it's funny. Kyle loves Mitchell. He was asked this week about his confidence in Mason, and he answered by talking about how confident he is in Mitchell. So it's obvious that Mitchell is the guy this week. I mean, whether he'll whether it's McCaffrey and Mitchell or Mitchell alone, but Mason is behind those guys. So I'm not getting that because to me, Mason looks like um, he's fresh, he's fast, he's physical, he's 240 pounds. Run Mason, but. Kyle likes what he sees from uh, Mitchell, so he's going with Mitchell. I haven't seen it from Mitchell, to be honest, Damon. He's had one or two runs that were impressive. The rest, he's had all kinds of negative runs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, to me, Mason should be the second guy up. But, all right, you know, if if Mitchell allows you more of a pass catcher out of the backfield, like I understand conceptually why Kyle wants to force that, but to me it sounds like he's forcing it a little bit when the other guy is just – you know, like you said, doing a Derrick Henry impression, he's running so hard. So um, we'll see if McCaffrey goes this this weekend, but he is he's one of the biggest trades, I think, already in Bay Area sports history. You said you were going to pair this to your channel, Larry, and you didn't do it. I think you did because I got people coming in here under the guise of paired. Hi, Larry. Uh, and I see it saying paired, paired. Maybe you did. I th are we also streaming on, on the crew show? Know. Let me see. Let me see. I, I hit some buttons, but then I gave up on it because I thought it wasn't working. I think I, I wonder what's going on. Well, let me double check. Look Maybe. at us with our technological wizardry. We may have we may be on dual channels at once without knowing. Isn't that um, special? That's possible. Let me see. I don't. I don't I'm, I'm I, getting. I'm getting paired updates. It paired updates. Really? Where's it saying that? Uh, in, in some of the comments that I'm getting here, paired, paired, and these are from. Uh, um, Names that I'm not too familiar with in my chat room. So, Larry, you you might be doing it. Um, I don't, uh, I don't see it. I don't know. Oh yeah, I do. Yes, I do. Are we? Is, are we paired? Oh no, wait. Is this your? No, this is yours. You entitled it "Huge Pivot Game," right? That's yes. your channel. All right, let me double check over here. I don't see it on my channel. So it's a stunning real time update. Everyone stick around for the exciting conclusion of Larry and Damon trying to figure are, out what the hell they're are doing you, together. Are, if you're somebody in the chat, tell me if you're watching on my channel, Larry, I'm looking at your channel right now. You are, you are, you are streaming. We are. Okay. You are. Look at us. Well, welcome, welcome all the crew guides over here to uh, the Damon Bruce channel. Uh, road trip. It's, I feel like it's a cactus league game. I like know? it. I like it. A little We're bringing our crew squad. over. A little, little home and home. Little split squad. I, hey, I like well, it. let me let me take this time now to tell people. Hey, if you're if you're coming over here, joining us, this is Damon's channel, uh, which I'm streaming over to our channel for this stream. Uh, hit like and subscribe over. You know, obviously you've hit like and subscribe on my channel already. Go over and hit like and subscribe over on his channel. He's building it up. Damon, how many months? Um, how many months have you had the channel going? So we've been going since uh, early April. April third was the first ever uh, live Damon Bruce show over here so on six the six months. Almost, six, months six months, and we're at uh, eighty six hundred 
plus subscribers already. That's uh, great work, work man. Yeah, That's we're, great work. we're and and look, it's it's great work. Thanks an awful lot to you and all the help that you provided. Uh, who would have ever thought, Larry, you'd be an inspiration? But indeed, that's I've never been become. an inspiration before. Welcome to being an inspiration. Well, actually, no, people have said, you know what, you're an inspiration to go the other way. You pick the, you know, you pick team A, I go team B. You know, people say that's you just, inspired me to go against you. Yeah, that's just fading, Larry. We've been doing yeah. that for years. But yeah, now yeah. you're an inspiration, Larry. You really are. Uh, let me ask you this. This is not a, a situation I would even like to arise because hopefully you can have both. I think Christian McCaffrey is so important. I would rather have Christian McCaffrey healthy in the playoffs and have to play a wild card round than have home field advantage without Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, you got to have this guy. I mean, you know, get to It's funny. I asked Chris Chris Kasarek in July. Hey, you got Hargrave and and, and Bosa and this awesome number 1 line. Are you going to play your number 1 line more than you did last year or are you going to keep a rotation? He's like, "No, I'm going to rotate my guys." Why? Because if I play Bosa 70 snaps a game, he won't make it to uh to to January. You won't even make it to the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl. And we want to be playing on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm like, "Okay, that makes sense." Well, if you're going to treat Bosa that way and you're going to run your D-line in a rotation and you're very concerned about how he's going to be playing at the end of the year, then don't you want to have Christian McCaffrey there at the end of the year with Bosa in that game? Right. It's almost like Kyle didn't get the message. He's just like the entire first month has been, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. Now, granted, Christian McCaffrey's on an MVP trajectory, but it's about durability, the best ability is availability, and if you're not there, you can't dominate. And this guy is just getting absolutely physically abused week after week after week. And at running back, the more you get hurt, the harder it is to protect yourself, in my opinion, um, based on what I've seen. And I've just – they've got other guys. Go with their other guys, especially in a game like this, you know, where where the Vikings are not a great team. And you've got De- you've got J.P. Mason, and you've got um, you know Elijah Mitchell. Run those other guys. Sit Christian down for a couple weeks. Freshen him up. Um, does it really matter? I'd rather I'd rather they go you know thirteen and four, and have a healthy Christian McCaffrey than go fourteen and two, and have him be you know doubtful for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I would agree with you too. And uh, we got a lot of uh, people coming in here uh, supporting Jordan Mason, just saying free Jordan Mason. I Look, I, I do think Seriously. he needs to be freed a little bit. The guy is, it, not only that, he's springy, he's athletic, he's young, he's uh, he's a powerful runner. I mean, it's I want to see him because I want to see him, but also I want to see him just to save McCaffrey. I was joking in my show the other night, maybe that's where people are getting that, where I, I told him I, I was going to show up at – at Niner uh, Complex with a free Jordan Mason sign, you know, <laughs> just start. Come on, Kyle, get him out there. But you know what? Um, you can say you want to go with player A over player B, but ultimately the players decide. So if you go with Mitchell and he continues to get stuffed, guess what? Mason's going to get some carries. Mitchell's just going to get the first run. And then if he does well, then, he'll, you know, God bless him. If he doesn't do well, it'll be time for Mason. We got people saying, I'm on your your uh, your channel, Larry. There it is. It's happening in two places at once. It's a technological wizardry that I didn't think 
quite frankly, we'd be capable of. But here we are. Uh, Larry has always run all of our 49er wake-up shows from his end. This is the first time I've done one on this end. So, my gosh, I I can't believe it's actually happening. That's good news for the product that is you and I working together. And, Larry, that's what people want, man. I mean, it's amazing. The the response that we've gotten to our shows, that Tuesday morning 49ers wake-up, uh, following Monday Night Football is where all the cool kids are hanging out in the morning, smoking cigarettes before they go into homeroom. We're the cool kids, and uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, doing another week with you. Do you want to give a, a prediction? What, what do you think of this? Is it a little too early? Are you saving that for no. Monday? No, not at all. I'll, I'll give a prediction. I, I think the 49ers are going to score 31, something like that, 30-31. I could see 31-10, something like that. Um, I, I don't think the Vikings – without Jefferson can win this game. Um, I just really don't. And I think the 49ers will do a nice job on the tight end. They typically do. The big question for me is Dre Greenlaw. You know, I, you know, there's two. Okay. So two takeaways from last week. One was, man, the 49ers have run D issues. No, the 49ers don't have run D issues. It's just that they didn't have Dre Greenlaw and Greenlaw's that good. And then, the other the other takeaway was, oh, man, Brock Purdy was terrible. Brock Purdy was terrible. The sky's falling. Yeah, Brock Purdy was not good, but I attribute that more to, you know, sometimes you have to credit your opponent. I think the Browns are really, really special as far as defensively. I, th- I think if you look closer into those numbers and compare what the Browns are doing on defense this year to any defense in any era, you're going to find that this Browns defense stacks up nicely. Hey, look at, um, look at look at Burrow. Look at Allen. Look at Mahomes. Look at Lamar. Every single one of these top-flight quarterbacks has had more than one game they've struggled in so far. So did Brock Purdy have a, a less-than game? Absolutely he did. Do you have to tip your cap to the other opponent? Of course you do. But, Larry, Brock was overdue for a rough one. No, he wasn't just due for it. He was overdue. So, you know, it was the cosmos pretty much, you know, balanced out the scales there a little bit. And, you know, I was listening to Steve Young join uh, Tolbert and Copes a little bit this week. And and he basically said, that's exactly the kind of game that Brock needs just to get up from. I mean, he's done nothing, but, you know, walk on water since he's gotten here. He needs a little, all right, that was bad. Go make it better. Get back on track. He needs that game. He hasn't even been able to show you his ability to bounce back because the one game he needed to bounce back from was the final game of the year when he got injured in the NFC title game. So, you know, he he needs this. This is the rite of passage. This is the... Uh, this is the the vision quest that every young quarterback has to go on, and I, I like his chances to get through it an awful lot. Yeah, I mean, I just think that this was – we are so Niner-centric and Niner-focused. Everything's about what the Niners do or don't do, and it never has to do with the opponent. Um, this last game had a lot to do with the opponent. Uh, you know, I, I, I watched that film. I, I looked at that defense. They're playing really, really well, and – and, you know, they've got awesome talent. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson played the game of his life. And then you have Miles Garrett. Um, those two guys up front were totally dominating. They've, this was easily the best three corners they're going to face. And then J- Jeremiah Wusu koromoa there's a reason that I've been a huge fan of his going back to Notre Dame. This guy is one of the best linebackers in the game. Five tackles, three solo, sacked the quarterback, three tackles for a loss, two hits on the quarterback, defended a pass, you know, unbelievable speed. 
uh, great, um, great instincts. I mean, the guy's a tremendous player. So, you know, they just the the Browns have an awesome secondary, a phenomenal front line, and Koromoa in the middle. And um, th- that's that's what happened more than anything. Yeah, the weather, and yeah, the injuries, and yeah, the bad calls, and yeah, the missed kicks. But that's really what happened. At the end of the day, it's that killer Browns defense. And I just don't think this week that the, the Vikings have anything close to that. Uh, we have uh, Joe Schmo saying split screen simulcast action. What's up, everybody? It's really exciting if you think about it. Uh, Irwin says, who needs Jillian and Kevin to work these problems out? Like, yeah, you got you got, you got your son who normally figures every technological thing out. My wife, if it weren't for her, I'd be screaming the show off my front porch. So, uh, yeah, look at us. Larry, you know, I think, we're it's safe, I think it's safe to say that Jillian and Kevin are just products of the system. I mean, um, they could be, you know, you, they could be plugged in, plugged out. You know what I mean? It's like, I got other boys. I got, I got two other sons. I can, I can, I could use Kevin, but you know what? Um, he's just a product of the Kruger system really. You're, you, well, you I've always said you're a, you're a system broadcaster, Larry. You're a Thank system you. broadcaster. Thank I'm a system you. broadcaster. Um, uh, not enough actual raw ability to be successful without a microphone, but you put you behind the right microphone system. Look at what you can do. It's very impressive. Hey, I know that you've got, um, uh, uh, you know, you, you got to get going. You got to be a dad this afternoon. Well, I've got uh, about, I've got, I, you know, I've got to, I've got to pick up my kid uh, at noon. He takes a class, and my wife, like, you know, threatens me. Do not forget your son. She tells me over and over again. I'm like, I will not forget. I Don't forget the boy. Forget. Uh, you know what I do like about the the Niners playing on Monday Night Football, other than they get the spotlight to themselves, and then you and I get to go on. Uh, 49ers wake up on Tuesday morning. I like the fact that we can just sit around and watch a stress-free Sunday afternoon with no one game to really concentrate on. You can sort of look at it all. There are some really good games this weekend, Larry. Lions-Ravens is a sneaky game of the week. That's 5-1 and one versus 4-2. and two. Then you got your Sunday night football game. Mike McDaniel, help out your former team. We got Dolphins at Eagles, and that's a heavyweight fight on Sunday night football. Um, Steelers-Rams, maybe Pittsburgh can help cool down an L.A. team a little bit. Uh, Cardinals-Seahawks, it's an NFC West ugly contest. Um, But there's some good stuff out there this weekend. Yeah, Lions-Ravens I think is going to be really, really good. Baltimore's a three-point favorite at home in that game, but, man, the Lions are playing tremendous football right now that that'll be a fun one to watch i think Rams steelers is going to be a pretty good football game um you know i mean there's there's some good ones there chargers chiefs um at arrowhead the chiefs kind of play up or down to the level of the competition but the game of the week is definitely dolphins eagles sunday night football at the link um i i like the dolphins there man i like the dolphins to go on the road and get it done i think I think the Eagles are reeling, and I don't think people realize it. I think you're going to see the Dolphins rise up and win that game. Before you go, Andre Iguodala has announced his retirement. I heard, uh, or I read, I should say, Tim Kawakami bring up the fact that Iguodala is basically a litmus test for what you value in terms of a basketball player when he was sort of framing this whole thing in, is he a Hall of Famer or not? Now, I think I I value the nuanced game as much, if not more than most. And Andre Guadalla 
is absolutely in the hall of respected basketball OGs who has universal respect. But to me, in order to say Andre Iguodala is a Hall of Famer, Larry, you either have to lower your standards for the Hall of Fame or sort of exaggerate the totality of Iguodala's career. I think he's in the hall of very, very, very good. He gets his number retired by the Warriors. He gets to be part of the statue out front of Chase Center one day. And he will get to the Hall of Fame based on his overwhelming league-wide respect. What do you think of Andre Iguodala? And in your mind, is he a Hall of Famer? Well, I think he's one of the smartest players, um, you know, I've come across. I mean, he's this guy's set off the floor. He's a very interesting guy. Um, you know, I guess he's an you know he's a Finals MVP. He's a four-time NBA champion. He's an NBA All Star. Um, you know, he was All NBA Defensive First Team in 2014. He was the All Rookie First Team. Um, you know, he had a great collegiate career. He was all pack 12 or all pack 10 back in the day. I guess the finals MVP in the four rings probably says hall of fame to me. He's a borderline hall of fame player. Um, you know, his hall of fame candidacy is tied more to the success of the team than him. There's, there's better individuals that, um, didn't win as many championships, you know, it depends on what you, how much credence you want to put into championships. If you, if you're one of these team, 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 well, he was a four-time NBA champion. He was a Finals MVP, but um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're talking about your does it does eleven points a game, four rebounds a game, and four assists a game. Does that sound like a Hall of Fame player? I don't know about that. Eleven points a right. game. But I think you you brought it up. Ring culture gets him in right. ring culture and universal respect gets him in. And I'm but not I mean, sure Robert or should Robert Ory be in. I mean, I'm not saying they're, they're the same player, but Robert right. Ory's got a bunch of rings. Exactly. You know, here's the thing of all the halls of fame, the standards of admission are easier in basketball. I mean, there are more Argentino female women's basketball coaches in the Hall of Fame than you could imagine. You know, well, I mean, it's like the basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Mass. It's not necessarily the NBA Hall of Fame. It's right. They let they, it's of all the Hall of Fames, there will be more, huh? Okay, that guy, he's in the Hall of Fame. All right, all right. You know, it's a little bit of a like a it's it's a nice way to send someone off in a career. You did a great job. We really liked you. You won a little. Yeah, we'll let you in the Hall of Fame eventually. Like that. That's it's well, kind of like how it goes. It's, it's weird. It's like if he's in the Hall of Fame, it's like does Steph have to be standing right there because Steph was the best player on all those teams, or Durant? You know what I mean? It's like right. It's just a little. It's a little bizarre. He was a, you know, I mean, he's he's a damn good player. I'll say this: I think he's a very important player in the history of the Warriors. Without a doubt, he changed the culture when he decided to accept a trade to the Warriors. I think that kind of announced to the rest of the NBA, hey, guess what? The Warriors are no longer, you know, Siberia. Um, you know, before he got there, they were – the Warriors were like the place that you didn't want to ever go. So that, I thought he, you know, he made – he had a huge impact. He could be in the Warrior Hall of Fame, but if he's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, I don't know, man. 
there's guy there's probably all kinds of awesome 20 point scorers who aren't in the hall of fame maybe not maybe they're i i'd have to go look it up but uh i would probably say no MJ says, I'm shocked that there hasn't been a Palmetto Foods acai bowl shout out yet. Well, they'll get a lot of that love coming up on Tuesday morning. And I want to invite you back right here to the simulcast on our channels. 49ers wake up Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. It is the biggest day after morning show coming out of the Bay Area. Like that's measurable and true. That's not just me exaggerating what you and I have built in a very short time here, Larry. Again, thank you for hopping on just for a minute today. We're going to let you go. You're going to go be a dad. Don't forget your kid. I'm sound like Amy. Don't forget your kid. Um, but thanks, Larry, for hopping on in. And one more time while we're talking to everyone on your vast channel, please come on over, click on over to Damon Bruce Plus, subscribe, like, notify, do all those things to help us grow this bad boy. And Larry and I can take over the world one day at a time. Join us uh, Tuesday morning, and it, it, what a busy few days, by the way, for my channel. Not only am I going on to you know today with you, um, or earlier with Pete Bursich. Tomorrow I, I do a stream in the morning with the coach uh, at 9 a.m. and then uh, game day, of course, we'll do a little post game, and then Jay, Damon and I Tuesday morning at 8 a.m on both of our channels for the Palmetto Superfoods 49er Wake Up. And then Tuesday night, Warriors Suns. I'm going to be on uh, doing postgame after opening night with the whole crew. And, Damon, if you'd like to, if you're inv- if you're at all around, you're ob- absolutely invited. But I got a whole whole crew of postgame Warrior people, and we'll start chopping it up. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of Warrior reaction videos this year. Probably not going to stream after every game, but I'm going to stream after – you know, let's say 25 of 82, something like that. But we'll be doing re, uh, recap videos at the end of every single Warrior game. And um, I look forward to talking a lot of hoop this year. By the way, I am so – I mean, I was excited, Damon. You were there. I was excited when the Warriors used the 57th pick on Trace Jackson Davis. But after watching him in the preseason, I'm even more excited that kid is going to play and play big minutes. The big question I was just debating right before I jumped on with you, I was looking at the numbers. Over or under 47 and a half wins for Golden State. They won 44 last year. They're older, but they're deeper. Are they've gotten rid of pool, they've added Paul. Are they a 48 win team and go over or are they a 47 win team or less? and go under based on how sloppy they shouldn't be based on Wiggins's cross your fingers availability that sort of went out the window last year based on the leap. I think Jonathan Kaminga can make based on how good I think Pajemski and Trace Jackson Davis have shown looks good too. the actual contributors this year. I'll take the over on that, Larry. I'll bang the over on that. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. I'm a little concerned about Chris Paul's health and the health of the team. If, you know, they got some, they got four old guys, but, um, man, I trace Jackson Davis. And then you add, and he's real. And then Pajemski and then Rudy Gay and Usman Garuba. And some of these other players they've added, I, I kind of like the depth a lot more. Kuminga looks, if Kuminga can emerge this year 
as the second best warrior, and I think it's possible, I think that could fuel them. I think that could fuel them to a 50-win season. Larry, great to talk to you. We'll do it again on, uh, what, we've got Tuesday morning, and then, yeah, I'm going to be at that Warriors game. I'll be doing quite a bit of Warrior post game myself over here on the Plus, but you and I are always aligned, and uh, I, I thank you very much for coming on today, man. It's great to talk to you as always. Anytime, man. Always there he is. Boys and girls, Larry Kruger. You asked for him by name, except no substitutes. That's the man right there, one of the hardest working guys in all Bay Area show business. Let me welcome all of you back here to the Damon Bruce Show. Thank you so much for tuning on in. If you were watching over on Larry's channel, I hope you're over here now continuing to ride along with us because we got some stuff to still get into here, uh, including, first and foremost, Thanking my sponsors, we want to say thank you very much to Ike's, a delicious sandwich. If there ever was one, go ahead and sign up for the Ike's Reward app. Start eating your way towards free sandwiches. You'll be very, very happy that you did. They are satisfying. They are delicious. And again, they can be free when you start eating your way to free sandwiches using the Ike's Rewards app. You'd be crazy not to be using his app and, you know, if you're going to order some Ikes for lunch, don't go directly through like Grubhub or DoorDash. Go through the Ikes app. You'll be very, very happy that you did. And, oh, by the way, speaking of be very, very happy that you did, you'll be very happy that you went to BottomLineBets.com and used promo code BRUCE to sign up for a free day of handicapping. Another 3-0 evening for Stefan last night. He is the hottest handicapper in Las Vegas, bottomlinebets.com, promo code Bruce for a free day of handicapping. You can use that today. You can use that on Saturday for a big slate of college football. You can sit on it until uh, you can sit on it until Sunday. Use it for the NFL. You can use it on Monday night football if you want. But I'm telling you, Stefan is finding winners on a day-by-day basis. Find out for yourself. BottomLineBets.com, a free day of handicapping with promo code BRUCE, B-R-U-C-E, and you will be underway to winning, winning, winning. We will get to uh, some Big Herbs Memorial Good for Ball, Bad for Ball, brought to you by our friends at Uncle Boys in just a moment, but that's how we wrap up shows on a Friday afternoon. And look, even though I'm not wearing a Jack's t-shirt today. If you're looking for the coolest in vintage, hard to impossible to find vintage Bay area t-shirts, go to jacksf.com. I dare you to only put one in your cart. That is how cool Jack's merch is. Use promo code Damon Bruce 10 for 10% off at jacksf.com. That's two S's Jack's J A C K S sf.com Damon Bruce 10 for 10% off coolest t-shirts on the planet. Um, they got a brick and mortar on chestnut, but if you're watching this from anywhere and you want some cool stuff from the Bay, go to jacksf.com. Uh, San Bruno, Mike, look at that. Dropping a jingle jangle on us. Plus and Krug on a Friday morning. No eggments required. We got inside jokes that other people just simply cannot, will not, should not understand. Um, That's the way it goes. But thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate that. Um, You are the man. 
Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, so look, big football game. As I talked about with Larry, it's a sneaky, sneaky football game. A real sneaky big football game. Uh, Larry's not worried about the Bengals. I am. I, I think you should be worried about the Bengals coming off of a bye week, starting to play better football. And this is why you just don't want to use a mulligan on the Vikings a team that coughs up the ball all the time. I keep on telling my son, who drops like everything. If you hand my, if you hand my four-year-old a cup of anything, it better have a lid on it. Like I can't even hand my four-year-old a bowl of Cheerios to snack on without like a, an eighty-five percent chance of him dropping it. No one likes a fumbler. I keep on telling that to my son all the time. Jack, nobody likes a fumbler. Stop dropping shit. The reason why nobody likes the Minnesota Vikings is because that's the most fumblingest team in all the world of football. The 49ers turn other teams over. They lead the NFL with 10 interceptions through six weeks of football here. So you got a team that creates turnovers. You got a team that's always giving a ball away. You got a team that's 0-3 at home. You got a team that's without their best player. Even if the 49ers are without Christian McCaffrey, their best player, they're still the better roster. The strength of the Niners' interior defensive line matches up very well with the weakness of the Vikings' offensive line. That interior, again, they got really good tackles. Guard, center, guard, little bit of an adventure. The best way to make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable is to come right into his face mask. I mean, just straight up the middle. Kirk is not fleet of foot. He does not have great escape ability. He does not keep plays alive with his own athleticism. He is a pocket stationary quarterback. And that's exactly, I'm talking exactly the kind of quarterback that the 49ers should tee off on. The Vikings are embracing the get the ball out quickly theory that every team in football is embracing now, but Kirk Cousins will also hold on to that grenade and kick, cook it a little bit too long. So we'll see what happens. I do like the Niners on, on, on Monday night. Absolutely. Uh, the Nicotina... The Nicotina Show podcast says Jillian and Kev going to branch out, start their own sports podcast. Seriously, Larry and I would be in trouble without them. Uh, by the way, Jillian with a G. It's a common mistake. I, I'm not mad at you at all. She wouldn't be either. But it's Jillian with a G. Uh, we got uh, Grand Admiral Shanahan says, can Jillian and Kevin handle a proper run fit behind you? A, 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 a proper run fit? I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. what A proper run? I don't know even, but Grand Admiral Shanahan, it's good to have you in here. Thank you very much. Roberto Davis says ESPN Talking Heads, system announcers. Yeah, definitely system announcers. System broadcasters, system quarterbacks, we're all in a system. Larry, system podcaster, no doubt. Uh, Lions and Ravens, though, very juicy. You are right about that, McFly13. Very, very juicy. So this is great. A lot of new names in the chat today. You're going to find one of the nicest group of people assembled, these plucers who are here, uh, saying good morning to each other before the show even starts. I absolutely love the little community that we are uh, building over here. And by the way, the community is getting together in person November 5th. 
November 5th at 1 o'clock. Join us at Victory Hall. Larry Kruger's coming on in. Gianna Franco's coming on in. Uh, We are going to get together. We're going to have some fun. We're going to watch some football. We're going to drink some drinks. We're going to maybe go outside, put it up in the air. We're going to hang out. We're going to hang out, baby. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, We're going to leave the kids at home this time, so we're not going to have a four-year-old and a two-year-old running around a bar. Um, We're not going to leave them home alone, obviously, but, you know, we're coming out to party. We're here to rip shit up is basically what I'm saying when we get to Plus Mania 2 Electric Boogaloo Victory Hall coming up on November 5th. Be there. Looking forward to seeing you. Hopefully you make it. Um so big Monday night football game. The practice report today, again, it, it's essentially a who's who list of Niners that wasn't out there. Christian McCaffrey with his oblique, Debo Samuel with his shoulder, Trent Williams with his ankle, Dre Greenlaw with his hamstring, Aaron Banks's ankle. They held him out of practice today. Tomorrow is the big practice. Tomorrow is the practice report where availability is going to mean something. Who did what? Who played? Who really got out there? Uh, Isaiah Oliver was limited. George Odom was a full go practice today. That's good. So we'll see. Tomorrow is the practice report that I think is really worth keeping an eye on in terms of who might go, who won't go coming up on Monday Night Football. Uh, Nick Wagner covers the 49ers for ESPN, marked the anniversary that is certainly worth marking. I mean, good God, what Christian McCaffrey has done since being traded for is overwhelming. I mean, it's really, really overwhelming. Um, The numbers and ranks, look at it this way. He's been with the 49ers for 20 games, okay? He's been with the Niners for 20 games, since week seven of last year when they made the trade for McCaffrey. And since then, Christian McCaffrey is first in scrimmage yards. He's first in touchdowns. He's second in rushing yards. He's second in yards after contact. He's third in yards per carry among running backs with at least 100 carries. He's first in running back receptions, 21st overall in the league. He's first in running back reception yards, 51st overall in the league. He's first in reception yards after contact among running backs, ninth overall in the league. He's generated 83 rushing first downs that's tied for second in the NFL. He's generated 127 first downs overall. That's first in the NFL. 40 carries of 10 or more yards. First in the NFL, 13 carries of 20 or more yards. First in the NFL, 41 explosive plays. Now, the NFL says an explosive play is any rushing attempt that goes over 10 yards or any reception that goes over 20 yards. And what do you know? Christian McCaffrey is number one in the NFL in both of those categories as well, since the 49ers traded for him. He is the best player in this league In this system, Christian McCaffrey, this is going to sound a little nuts. Christian McCaffrey is as tailored to be as perfect in Kyle Shanahan's system as Patrick Mahomes is as tailored to be perfect in Andy Reid's. These are perfect fits. These players are perfect fits. They are the apple of the eye of their coaching staff. And these coaches know how to bring out the very, very best. Christian McCaffrey, kids, if he stays healthy, he's going to the Hall of Fame. It's that simple. 
Christian McCaffrey, if he stays healthy, if he keeps on doing this, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. If he wins a Super Bowl in San Francisco, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame as a 49er. There you go. That's who he is. His wallet is the one that says bad motherfucker on it. That's who he is. Total stud. Bonafide stud. Again, the way to beat the Vikings, getting pressure right up the middle. That's what Cousins hates. That's what the 49ers are built to do. Between Hargrave, Kinlaw, and Eric Armstead, they should win that battle. They should win that game. Larry is right. There's no way that Mattinson and Cam Akers are nearly as scary as the running backs that sort of ate the Niners' defensive front alive a little bit in Cleveland last week. The 49ers wide receivers, whether Debo goes or not, should out-physical the corners. They got good safety play in Minnesota, but those cornerbacks can be taken advantage of. And I'm going to tell you, this is a game where George Kittle, it better be hey diddle diddle George Kittle over the middle, not one of those nuanced, you need to really interpret football to determine whether George had a good blocking grade. No, No, I want George Kittle having a gaudy game. Eight catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns, George fucking Kittle. That's going to get the 49ers into the win column as much as anything. So uh, if you're only seeing George Kittle do an awful lot of this and this during Zenny eyewear commercials, you're using them wrong. You're using them wrong. The Sentinels football channel says, uh, hashtag, I am a system YouTuber. (laughs) Aren't we all these days? Aren't we all system YouTubers? (laughs) 49ers, if they do win on Monday night football, it would be the 53rd win in franchise history, which would tie them with the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most wins ever in Monday Night Football history. Should the 49ers score on their opening drive on Monday Night Football, that'd be nine straight games for Shanahan making the scoreboard blink on his opening drive, which is just so impressive. I mean, it's so impressive to do that. Um, The Vikings fumble a lot. 49ers, 10 interceptions, lead the NFL. Let's go. Get it done. We got Roberto Davis, uh, who uh, tips the ganja jar, and I thank you very much. Roberto says, does Brock's faith play a role in the disrespect? First of all, don't worry about a level of... Re- Brock Purdy is nothing more than a new ball of yarn for all these talking head yahoos to pass around. And like most balls of yarn that they're passing around, they really are not watching. They're really not covering that. They're only, you know, going with the flow of the conversation. And Brock Purdy became the new, easy-to-poke, new name. Poke, 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 poke him, poke him at him, poke him at him. He's easy to underestimate. Again, it takes no skill at all to underestimate Brock Purdy. So I just think it's it's a it's an easy-to-see coming part of the news cycle. And I don't think his faith has anything to do with it at all. I don't think people... Uh, he care about that at all. Uh, it just doesn't matter. So um, 
And, and again, you know, I, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I'm not going to hold anyone's conviction of what they believe in against them. You know, whatever you got to do at night to lay your head down, feeling good about yourself, treating other people right, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not worried about it, and you shouldn't be worried about it. Seriously, you should not be worried about how anyone other than you feel about Brock Purdy. Who cares what other people think about him? Seriously, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. What, what everyone else thinks about Brock Purdy, the underestimation of Brock Purdy, that's how you got him in the first place. That's how you got him with the last pick of the draft. So if the whole world wants to continue to underestimate that guy, go right ahead. Go right ahead. It's like underestimating Damon Bruce. You want to underestimate me? You go right ahead. Wait and you see what this is in two, three years from now. Holy shit. You know, the guy has the guy has a a computer right up here that processes information in an elite way. You know, everyone makes the argument, well, you take uh, Brock Purdy off of this team and you put him somewhere else, he wouldn't do that. You know, I think Brock Purdy's got a lot of translatable skills that would work in anybody's offense, anyone's offense. Do you like a guy who gets the ball out accurately, really quickly, and sees the field well, knows how to go through his progressions very quickly? Every single coach in the world would say, yeah, I'd love a quarterback with those attributes. What I don't hear is the, well, you take Jalen Hurts off the Eagles and he wouldn't be this good. You know, that's a really good team that he's on. How come Jalen Hurts isn't being held to those standards? And again, I'm also not the guy who's going to say this argument needs to apply to every single conversation. We got uh, John here. John saying, sup, Damon, I found you. 95-7, the game's departure. Void will never be filled. Well, thank thank you very much. You know, uh, how about this? I know how you fill it. You come over here, and I'll fill your cup every single time it's empty. I'm, by the way, not only am I not gone, I'm about to cast a larger shadow over this city than it's ever had. So I can do more on YouTube than anyone could ever do just on a radio station, and that's what I'm really excited about. So I hold no ill will against any radio station. Uh, go ahead. You want to listen to them? You go right ahead and listen to them. Doesn't bother me at all. Just make sure you come on back here because daddy's just preaching from the pulpit. And hopefully you're in the church, in the tabernacle, praying along with us. Look at me. Said I wasn't religious. All right. Uh, Jedi says, Damon's channel is the one the algorithm favors, but I went and found you, Larry. Why is Bruce getting all the love on my FYP? What is an FYP? Again, I don't even understand half the lingo that I'm supposed to now know a lot about. I don't, what's an FYP? Anybody? I know what a PYT is. Pretty young thing. All right. Good slate of games coming up on Sunday. Again, Lions-Ravens. What if I told you that was the possible Super Bowl preview? It's a, it's a Super Bowl preview no one would want, but Lions-Ravens, that's 5-1 and one versus 4-2. and two. That's going to be a hell of a game. Sunday Night Football, that is the game of the week. Dolphins at Eagles. Uh, Cardinal-Seahawks is your NFC West contest. Steelers are at the Rams. 
Raiders are at the Bears in a game that's probably going to be so ugly only a mother could love it. Um, there you go. It's going to be a good weekend. It's going to be a really, really good weekend. Good question here from, from RG. Can you smoke Asahi? I mean, you can smoke anything, right? Pretty much. Like, if you can light it on fire, you can smoke it. I don't know how flammable uh, the Asahi bowl is, but the berry itself? Yeah, probably. You know, medicinal fun time benefits? I, I don't know. I don't think so. There you go. MJ, right after that, says, hey, light it up. Light it up. Tiger Tank wants to talk some Andre Iguodala. Says, you can't deny what Iguodala did to LeBron in the 2015 finals. That alone should get him something. Well, that alone got him the something that I even think was a little over-exaggerated. He got that NBA, NBA Finals MVP. I, I still think it should have gone to Curry. But that's fine. You know, Andre had a huge hand in deciding that finals. I'm good with it. I'm Again, when Andre Iguodala does reach the Hall of Fame one day, I'm not going to be mad. We're not going to do a that-shouldn't-have-happened show about Andre Iguodala. But here's a guy who's retiring now. Andre Iguodala retiring after 19 NBA seasons. Outstanding at times. He's an impactful player. He grew into a locker room source of wisdom for not just his teammates, but other NBA players. He gave everyone really good career advice. Andre Iguodala was a Svengali for an awful lot of up-and-coming NBA players. Go talk to Uncle Andre. He's been through everything. He's seen it all. He knows the ups and downs of this league, every contract negotiation, every team's locker room. There's nothing that's happened in this league that that guy hasn't been through, and that is invaluable. Obviously, it's invaluable. In my eyes, he is not a Hall of Fame player, but he'll get in. Again, and I won't be mad when it happens. Um, you know, league-wide respect and a few titles will get you consideration. As Tim Kawakami wrote, Iguodala is a litmus test for what you believe constitutes a good basketball player. I don't think anyone could watch Andre Iguodala and say that that's not a good basketball player. To me, the real litmus test is what are your standards for the Hall of Fame? That is the litmus test that Andre Iguodala really represents. Um... Andre Iguodala fails, or, or I should say falls short of the very first question I always ask myself when talking about anybody for anyone's Hall of Fame. The very first box you got to check for admission into the Hall of Fame in my mind is simply, did you dominate your era when you were in your prime? For Iguodala, it's not even close. Iguodala never dominated his era when he was in his prime. He's a one-time NBA All-Star who never averaged 20 points in a season. Never. He got close, 19.9 once, but never, ne never had a single-season scoring average that started with a two. Not once. Not once. If Andre Iguodala was the leading scorer on your team you had a team that wasn't going anywhere fast at all times. He is a complimentary player more than he is a follow me, I know the way level of player. 
Um, his career numbers, 11 points, five rebounds, four assists. Those are not Hall of Fame numbers. If you say, well, consider what he did defensively. What he did defensively over 19 years is unimpressive. Two NBA all-defensive teams. That's all he ever made. So it's not like he was a premier lead dog defender that the league feared. He, he was good. Fast hands. His hands are fast as hell, man. But again, you know, the four titles, he had his hands all over that first title. We know that. But I do think that the MVP should have gone to Curry. The middle two titles, you know, part-time starter, part-time role player, nuanced winning performances for sure. The last championship against the Boston Celtics, he could have done it without him. It was like he wasn't even there. Didn't need him for that at all. So he absolutely just was around to collect a ring that time. His single game career high in scoring. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? Again, before he mo- before Andre Iguodala morphed into an undersized small forward, he was a, a, a shooting guard. So what do you think in his prime... Greatest night he ever had in scoring was 34 points. It's his career high, 34 points. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'll never get 34 in an NBA game, but I, I, I wasn't the ninth overall pick in a draft either. I think Andre Guadala is a jack of all trades. He's a master of none. His respected OG basketball lifer credentials are bona fide, and those will get him into the Hall of Fame more than his actual reputation as a player. This is why you got to be careful with the respect that you get and give because you only get one reputation, and Andre Iguodala's reputation is probably big enough and grandiose enough that he gets into the Hall of Fame one day. The Warriors, again, Statue, yes. Retire his number, yes. Eats for free in San Francisco for the rest of his life, yes. Absolutely, he should get all of those things. On his own Hall of Fame player, again, you got to either over-exaggerate who he was or lower your standards for the Hall of Fame to really include him. You know, He does have four rings. Had Andre Iguodala been Ike Diagu, uh, you know, Ike Diagu would have had those four rings too. Like that that first one, he certainly has his fingerprints all over. The other three, come on. And again, I like Andrew. I I like Andre Iguodala. I like Andre Iguodala. Good player. Good guy. World deserves his overwhelming respect. Absolutely. Hall of Flamer? Eh. Not really. All right, we're going to wrap things up today with a little good for ball, bad for ball, sponsored by our friends at Uncle Boys, who will help me keep the memory of our Dearly departed friend, Michael Urban, alive with a segment that he loved. Good for ball, bad for ball, bad for ball. James Harden. 
He is our bad for ball subject this week. That guy just sucks so much. I wouldn't want him to be my teammate for a minute. He never thinks about the group. James Harden is only thinking about himself and his own career path at all times. Zero personal sacrifice to make the group better ever. It's who he is. Um, as soon as waters get choppy, that guy's looking to bail before anybody. He wants out and he will go to greener grass the minute he determines that grass is greener for him. You know what I hope? I hope he does get traded to the Clippers. And then I hope that the Clippers and Warriors are a postseason matchup. And then I hope the Warriors get to send his loser ass back to the strip club once again in another offseason that isn't attached to anything that even resembles an NBA championship. That's what I hope for Andre or for uh, for James Harden. James Harden, bad for ball. Good for ball. Hey, we actually got some series breaking out in Major League Baseball's postseason. That's good for ball. The Diamondbacks avoided a sweep with a win over the Phillies. Very dramatic. That was fun yesterday. Give me an interesting NLCS, please. That's all I'm asking for. Bruce Bochy can move a win closer to another World Series appearance. Rangers, Astros now tied at two. Game five tonight. Look, Bochy needs this one. I don't think the Rangers are going to walk back into Houston and win two games there. So big game for the Rangers and Bruce Bochy tonight. There is your good for ball, bad for ball segment brought to you by our good friends at Uncle Boys. Thanks to Larry Kruger for coming on by the show today. By the way, if you're new in here, if you're a Kruger holdover, if you're hanging out, this sounds like the end of the show. This is not the end of the show. We're going to get into Club Blues here in just a second, but this is the end of the show attached to the podcast, which, by the way, is blowing up. And thank you very much for all the downloads and all the attention that the podcast is getting. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you very much for tuning in. Have yourself a great weekend. Uh, we'll be dropping some videos over the weekend for sure. And then, of course, Monday, be right back here at 11. We are going to be going live at the two-minute warning of Monday Night Football. And then the following morning, Tuesday, 8 a.m., it's the simulcast, Bruce and Kruger, 49er Wake Up. Hope you see us there as well. We hope to see you there before you do depart. Hit that like, hit that subscribe button, hit that notify button. That'll make things easier around here, easier to pay bills. And I would really appreciate that. You've been in tremendous community. I thank you so very, very much for being a part of this community. And it really is a cool little community that we have built. It's getting bigger every day. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.